Hello, I'm Melody Asani. I'm Julie Burns-Walker. Today, we welcome you back to the Butterfly Forecast. My life is a spike with pain and music is my aeroplane. It's my aeroplane. Somber, sweet and sour, Jane, and music is my aeroplane. It's my aeroplane. Welcome to this episode of the Butterfly Forecast. Today, Smooshy and I take a look at the ambiguous perspective of viewing indecision as mistakenly the divine will itself. And we unpack a lot of the strands that lead to those conclusions, including our emotions, the beliefs that we harbor from the past that we're unconscious of, and so many things that lead us to conclude if something was meant to be are not meant to be. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, Smooshy. Hi, Smooshy Angel. What are you up to today? Oh, you know, just pondering the big things again, trying to breathe. (laughs) Smooshy, anything in particular? Well, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but I was very curious about how often things happen to us and we think that they're from the creator. Like how often you're working towards something or you really want something or you're moving in a certain direction and something will happen and you'll be like, oh, well, I guess that's just meant to be or I guess that's what God wants for me. And I wonder how often that's actually true Mm. versus something else what would this something else be like if it isn't the will of god which is a great mystery Mm. i mean the big one is your fear like what if it's just well i guess this is what i what i thought i actually was or i knew this wasn't meant for me or i don't know i guess it would just be an opportunity to move closer to your fear versus your truest desire. Mm-hmm. I really get excited when you talk about this <laughs> uh, topic. I'm so glad I, you just do. Even you saying it, <laughs> I, I really get excited because I think what you just brought up is kind of everything everything, everything that will ever happen to you in life. Where do you go with that? Mm -hmm. What did you conclude personally? You know, when I listen to people share something with me, they never just say the event that's happening right now. They always say, why does this always happen to me? Mm. Or they'll get very specific. Why when I'm just this close to getting it? I feel like the rug gets pulled out from underneath me and it's always going to happen. It's not the specific situation, but it's specific for them. Mm -hmm. You know, like whether it's about a job or a relationship or every time they're in love and they get past a certain place, then they'll say, this has always happened to me. And, And then if you don't say anything, they'll start to talk about the past. Mm-hmm. How many times do you experience yeah. that as well? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think that is? I think it's history. History is crazy. Mm. I just feel like 
everything in us wants to repeat it mm-hmm. versus venture off and do the new thing, you know, like unfold. It's so much easier to repeat it. And I think oftentimes it comes back around and it comes back around. And instead of seeing it as just like, oh, I see you, you are the pattern that's always happened, but not necessarily accept it as just because it's something you inherited or or that keeps happening to you. It doesn't mean you have to claim it. Well, I think when we're young and we have a very shocking experience or something that you didn't anticipate, I think it's a very important lesson in life, which is, oh, things can happen here. Yeah. And they can happen to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that the inner parts of us that are observing and experiencing life when nothing has ever altered, like you point yourself in this direction and it happened. Then you think that's the way it's always going to be. The first time you suffer or experience the disappointments or the shocks when things not only do not happen as you pointed yourself, but the opposite, Mm -hmm. we don't understand why yet. Mm -hmm. And because we don't, we have perceptions about why it happened. Mm. And if you add on to that layer, Another dimension, which is if someone else tells you why that happened, you know, especially in your childhood, then you believe it usually. Because, you know, our brain does not have the capacity to analyze until between the ages of eight and 12. Whoa. So we just accept everything for what it is? Everything. So if you are blessed to have people who are loving and mature and evolved around you, They'll help decipher your disappointments and better prepare you for walking your future and what you want to happen. But what if, God forbid, you have people around you who are accusatory or insecure or have belief systems or are looking for a scapegoat or, you know, so many situations uh, we can be prematurely identified as a prototype or an archetype in order for someone else's agendas to be fulfilled. Mm. And that's why people often talk about their school days when they were, you know, identified as one thing or another and it stuck. Mm. Why? Like your question, to your point, why do we repeat history? To me, I wonder why don't we ask The question, is this true? Am I this? Am I really this? Hmm. And if I am, why am I this? Am I stuck like this? Can't I grow? Can't I change? Hmm. Is it as simple as asking the question to get out of that? It's the beginning of everything. Mm -hmm. I think the most dangerous human in the world is someone who doesn't ask questions. Hmm. Who accepts things at not just face value, but from what their family of origins teach them, or their church, or their community, or their school, or their social group. We have to ask questions because we're here to weed out what is false and discover what is true. Mm -hmm. How can we get to that place if we don't 
ask questions. Yeah. And why is it that people are so often scared to discover what is true? Because they won't belong anymore. I mean, I think the scariest is when people come from a religious or pseudo-spiritual position. When there's really the creator and all the creations of the creator, all the creatures, we don't have something else here. (laughs) We're all exploring reality. But when people come from a social or pseudo-spiritual position and can now proclaim who is worthy and who is not, we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And someone will always end up being the scapegoat of that. Because how else are people going to elevate themselves? You know, so if we don't ask the questions, how can we dismantle that diseased pattern? Isn't that where any hierarchy comes from? Mm-hmm. You know, we we talk about the dangers of patriarchy today, but matriarchies are just as dangerous. We need each other. We need to be equal. Mm-hmm. And I think if we don't ask the questions, we end up put in whatever position those around us needed us to be in for them to elevate themselves. Well, and that's interesting. I mean, that's really what inspired this conversation to me was that I think that for the first time I realized that by not making the decision to go in one direction or the other, Mm -hmm. you can also be in a place where you're like, okay, well, whatever happens, happens. It must be the will of God. If this happens, then I'll go in that direction. If that happens, then I'll go in that direction. But, you know, like you said, mistaking your own indecision for the divine. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's crazy. I mean, I think about something as simple as for me, either wanting to have a baby or not wanting to have a baby. You know, I don't have children. and, And in the process of it, I think that I've gotten to the place where I've always been very indecisive about it because I just don't know. And so I've thought, okay, well, if it happens, it happens. It must be the will of God. And if it doesn't happen, if my, you know, if I get too old or I'm too old or whatever, then I guess it's just not meant to be. But there's something about that that's really making my body freak out. And, you know, after talking to you about it, something even greater came to my awareness of it's really me coming to it from such a disempowered place because it would be so much more empowering if I could go into it saying like, yes, I want a kid. This is how I want to do it. I'm going to try for it. This is, you know, this is how I'm going to raise it, blah, blah, blah. And I want it. I want to try for it. I'm going to do it. Or being like, no, I don't want one and I'm totally fine with that and I'm going to prioritize these other things instead and this is how I'm going to live my life and blah, blah, blah. And having that kind of empowerment and that decision making is so much more, you know, feels so much better versus just being like, okay, well, whatever happens, happens and then almost blaming it on the divine. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. And Sushi, you know, when you say that, there's so much texture behind what you're saying. There's, you just said so many things because first of all, one is just figuring out what you want and you have the right 
to get in touch with that all by yourself, regardless of society and its views and your family and their views and your friends and their views. This is just sifting out all the voices, all the noise. So it's just you, then there's the creator. But the other piece that I think is unspoken when you talk about, oh, well, it must be the will of God that it did happen or it didn't happen. Either way, what in the world would make a human being come to that conclusion? Be able to say definitively that it was the will of God. That is some serious presumption. Presumption, Because where does that <laughs> Where does that I like presumption. (laughs) Let's keep it. it. Another new word for our private (laughs) vocabulary. But I think that why wouldn't we always be taught that the creator created us to prosper in every possible way? And where it is not possible, it means that's a new door to explore oh, how could I be prosperous here? You know, what is missing? I was introduced to this woman Mm. who had several miscarriages, several. And she went to every fertility clinic and they said to her, please just stop trying, stop. It's not healthy for your body anymore. And she said that this voice inside of her was like, but I meant to. I know I meant to have one. And she said, you can't say that to the doctors at a fertility clinic because they've heard it every day, all day. And they're like, of course, of course. Mm. Well, what happened is she ended up in a medical emergency. And in the medical emergency, by default, meanwhile, all these years, she's been praying for that one child and really clearing out all the false kind of beliefs she harbored. And just as she felt she was clear, she moved into a medical crisis and they had to immediately do surgery. And she said she passed out. And when she came to, there was a doctor sitting on her bed. And he said, I don't know who you are, but you must be very important because it looks to me like your fallopian tubes were scarred and blocked many years ago. You've never been able to sustain a pregnancy. You had one ectopic pregnancy that blocked all the rest from being sustained. And he was like, I did microsurgery while I was right there. And I cleared out your fallopian tubes. And I think you can conceive and carry a baby full term. And so she did. I don't think that there's like a moral of this story. I I don't think that this is cause and effect. But what I do think is interesting is that she never fully, it's not that she disregarded the medical expertise she received. It's just she also listened to herself, deepest part of herself. Maybe she wouldn't have known that right off the bat. But she said having that baby, which she did end up conceiving, that year, she said it really was everything she thought it was supposed to be, just not when. Right. So how do we know how to say something is meant to be like we're Calvinistic and saying if we were meant to fly, you know, we'd have wings instead develop airplanes or jets. Mm. 
I don't know. I, I think there's just so much more to life than what we keep trying to squash it in a box about. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. Well, you just want to know everything. I mean, you're scared. You're, you're, I think the unknown is, it is scary. So you try to make sense of it as much as you can by trying to squash it into this thing and not even not even being able to see more for yourself or see see any other options except for the ones that are right in front of you. And experts always make it so much more difficult because I think somewhere in your brain you're like, but that's an expert. You know, this person knows. <laughs> and it's true they do. They are the expert of our day and we should consult with experts and trust their opinion. But we also have to weigh it against our own sense of truth mm -hmm. and also something else. Everything is relative. So what we didn't know 10 years ago, we do know now. Mm -hmm. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. It doesn't mean the people who are experts 10 years ago were wrong. They were right for all the knowledge available then. Mm -hmm. And now something new got revealed. Yeah. I wish we lived that way with not just ourselves, but each other. Because then also the very thing you're talking about, you're met with a decision or a disappointment. And so you draw a conclusion so you can live peacefully with it. But I wish we did that with each other too. Mm. I hear so many people written off as something, you know, they are a this, they are so that, as if we are one-dimensional beings. Mm -hmm. We're so very complex and capable of both being ugly to someone in the same day we are beautiful and someone's salvation on the same day. Mm -hmm. Well, thank goodness. Thank goodness you only get one. You don't get just one chance. Mm -hmm. I wish we would encourage that questioning. Like, can't we do better? Because mm -hmm. it's so burdensome to just have to be ready, made, perfect by the time you're in first grade. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I also wonder about what you're opening up about how do you know something is divine or man-made? I feel like they sit different in my body when I know, when it's super clear. Mm. They make me feel different things. Or I have, it's kind of hard to describe. But it's also difficult because if it is something that's scary, that's like, you know, then I'm not clear. I mean, personally, I'm not clear about it because... Fear is in the way. I feel like fear or anxiety or something is blocking it. Mm. But when I am clear about it, I feel like something man-made versus something from the divine is very clear to me by the way it sits in my body. So where does it sit if it's man-made? Where do you feel it? I feel like I feel it more in my stomach. And if it's from the divine, maybe I also feel it in my stomach, but it's a different feeling. Like the affirmative aspect of it. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I know if someone is, I don't know for myself, I guess I always see people as vessels of the divine here, mm. potentially. Like that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for no matter 
what my relationship is with that person in my interaction, like checking out at the grocery store or, you know, the person delivering my post, you know, I call him an angel because he is always an angel. He's always hollowing himself out. Whatever he says to me, every part of my body, it lightens up. So it vibrates. Whereas when I'm dealing with someone who is constantly trying to corral me or has an agenda or is projecting onto me, my energy just goes so low. I'm suddenly exhausted. I'm struggling with inertia. Usually I'm always asking myself, oh, what happened? Is the weather changing? But it's the human climate that just changed. When I interact with someone who is so far from their truth, I just find it takes a lot of energy to hold space for them. Mm. I will do it, but afterwards I'll need to rest. Yeah. That's why I think as we mature in life, and it's not really age per se, but mature. I mean, I've met, as you know, I love telling you about all the incredible children I meet in my practice. But when I meet someone really mature who's very young, they already know themselves at least up to date. Nothing has challenged that. But let me ask you this. So with something like you just said, I I totally get that feeling of getting tired around somebody that you have to work hard around. But what about there's other times where I get tired. It's not because of the person necessarily, but maybe it's the work that it it's the work that I need to do. Yes. It's it's highlighting something to you or it's highlighting something to me. Yeah. Yeah, So there is a difference between somebody draining me because they're not evolved or whatever the term, you know, whatever it is that isn't matching with you. But then there's also other times where it happens where I'm not there and I have to do a certain kind of work or I have to get past a certain kind of fear or whatever it is. And it highlights it for me. And I just want to sleep. But that's a testimony to you and where you are in your life, because I also can get into, usually it's more like situations. Mm. I don't think individuals trigger me as much in my current life as they used to in my young life. But situations that are complex, and especially if they have strategy involved, I will have to really go back home immediately and go, why was I unable to participate? So another thing that this kind of leads to is whenever a belief about a divine role for us is what's online, how very tricky it is to actually language it to somebody. You know, we're not usually responding from a conscious place. And I really think, for example, females in particular, the feminine as an archetype, on a global level, have really had the role, not because it's divine, but because there have been a lot of man-made laws tacked on top of the divine about how the feminine is supposed to respond to anything. 
which number one is compliance and obedience to help take care of what needs to be taken care of and never disagree. It's not only a sign of disloyalty, but a lack of faith and punishable. So you can see how much anxiety it produces when you think you're putting your energy in an altruistic direction and it doesn't happen. What would the feminine conclude? You know, always must be God's will that it didn't happen. And if it did happen mistakenly, also that it's God's will. We still have to know what we are, who we are, what we bring, and all that's involved. And also with the masculine archetypically, the same is true because the masculine often feels berated, belittled when it can't magically produce or supply something or the remedy for people, because it has also been subject to the same mythology, Mm -hmm. you know, that God prefers the masculine. And so what a terrible burden, what a terrible stressor, what huge anxiety, like, okay, I produced and provided this. Is this enough? Is this enough? So it's really treacherous for both the masculine, the feminine, this concept is, how do we ever know if something is divine? And Sushi, you know, I've also been thinking about this topic a lot on my own, and I really feel we'll never know if something was truly, quote, unquote, meant to be until we're not here anymore on this plane. Mm -hmm. I think we just really have to stop looking for proving it to ourselves that it was meant to be because sometimes what that will do is create other attitudes. What do you mean by other attitudes? Well, if you think every single thing you're doing has been blessed and graced by the divine, oh, right. yeah. <laughs> you might need an attitude adjustment pretty soon. Right. <laughs> and not to say that we shouldn't have faith in the divine. And I think these are separate things. Yeah, but they're so fine. You know, it's such a fine difference. And I think that that's really important is walking that line. Um, You know, it's such a delicate line. It's like having faith. But I feel like we're, you know, in the same way that we try to compartmentalize everything to make it more digestible and safe. Mm. I think it's easier for us to just believe that we're chosen or that it's our fate or our destiny. Um, And then when we're not that, then we just go in the total other direction. Like, well, I guess I'm not amongst them. But you see, if our only choices are us or them, us and them is what creates war. So, you know, this conversation about looking and exploring at indecision or disempowerment being mistaken for the divine will is a really significant way to take us down a notch or several notches from being at war with one another. Mm. If there is no us and there is no them, then we're all us Mm -hmm. and we're in it together. And now the work we have to do is communication, honesty work, doing inventory, and accountability. 
this is sort of a departure, but not. Do you feel like that us and them thinking has gotten worse in the last 20 years? Well, I think it, for sure it's gotten worse, but I think even exponentially so in our last 10 years. Yeah. I think that we moved away from believing in solutions for a unified planet. You know, we're talking about the ecology and, you know, mm. the the blue movement and the green movement. And we've become conscious of how what we've done hasn't worked for the planet and therefore no creatures on the planet. Interesting. I've noticed it kind of permeating across everything. Like I was even speaking to these um, like older gang members, sort of retired gang members, but that were still living in the neighborhood that they grew up in and sort of a new wave of gangs has come come up under them, you know, like younger gang members and they were just talking about how things have changed so tremendously and one of the things that really stood out to me was that they were saying how they really like they fought against other gangs but they took pride in protecting everybody in their neighborhood so if they lived in a particular neighborhood you know they took care of their neighbors and they kind of like looked out for them and they were saying how this new wave of gang members were not like that at all. Like it was very much like everybody's out for themselves. It's not about the group anymore, the community, but it's more individual than it's ever been. And I don't know why that that stuck out so hugely to me, but I think I remember that when I was growing up as gangs being that, like wanting to belong to something a little bit bigger than you. And I think it's kind of moving away from that. It's not even about belonging to anything anymore, but sort of establishing yourself, your own protection, you know, maybe your own immediate people, but not extending beyond that. Yes. I think that's uh, so insightful, Sushi, and indicative, you know, because you can't look at gangs without looking at society, without looking at where people are, without looking at political ideologies that have also changed mm -hmm. over the last 10 years. Uh, yeah, it's like top to bottom. Yes, absolutely. Which is why all the inspiration that I see happening is at the grassroots. Grassroots movements, community movement, people bonding together. You know, we don't unfortunately hear about it and the news, but if you look for local news, you'll find it wherever you live. There are so many people who would have never thought of themselves as social or political activists now are. Every time we're taking our personal energies and time and dedicate them to rebuilding or helping other people, what could be more grassroots inspiring and indicative of a movement when it's happening everywhere. It's more like it's not happening from the top down so that you get to measure it incrementally, but like popcorn, hard to measure popcorn. You know, the kernels will eventually all pop because it's getting hot in here. And I think that it's spreading. I love that. I've never thought about that, about the measuring. And, you know, I feel like everybody's about all about being able to count and measure everything. Mm. 
Yeah. You know, Sushi, I was telling you about this new book by Jane Goodall, who worked with chimpanzees for so long in her research. And she, in her new book, is really talking about getting hope back and how so much of the environment has become polluted. It's affected her work directly and the health of the animals. But she said that what gives her hope is that she goes to a place where the cranes migrate every year, where the waters are polluted, the skies are polluted, everything's polluted, and the cranes are still coming back. And she finds that the real message is nature is bigger than just us. We're not the only part of nature, just one component. And it's very restorative to look at the many things that are happening in nature that are adapting. And instead of indecision and acceptance of just the way it is, they're just, we're adapting and becoming stronger as we work together. Mm. And sometimes different groups, different groupings keep us alive. And I think that's also true with nutrition. You know, so many times in the early years uh, when in kinesiology, uh, we were looking at all the numbers of people who are now gluten intolerant. This is decades ago. And that was a big new thing. And all of a sudden, you know, people were like, pushing back. What do you mean we can't eat gluten? It's in the Bible. The The staff of life is bread. And I really think that when you look at the very beginning of change, when something's not working or it's been polluted or altered or genetically modified, and people push back because their comfort and their statistics say, no, I'm supposed to eat this. <laughs> This is supposed to be good for me. I like it. I want it. I'm keeping it. But then I love how we have grown out of a need to adapt. And now there are many other wonderful foods that people are, now that's their staple. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be just one grain or one thing. And the same thing is true with when the people you thought were going to be your people you know, we're going to support your good way of living are no longer doing that. It's time to bond with everybody. Yeah. Well, as somebody who's currently on a detox, I do really miss bread. (laughs) I miss that grain. I'm sorry. I I miss it so much. I said the wrong word. (laughs) Well, and I understand. I think we're always going to miss what was familiar and comforting. But it doesn't mean we don't get back something even better. That's true. I think once you experience the feeling of in your body of feeling so much better, not experiencing all those symptoms, it really kind of, you know, changes your orientation towards what you eat. But it's difficult getting there. It is. But full circle to what you've been bringing up today you know, about indecision and disempowerment in the face of change or disappointment and how to interpret it. Once you start to go inside to ask yourself, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to live with this? And if the question is, is this God's will or not? 
how to make peace with the divine. It's never going to send us an email about its plan for us. Yeah. Don't you wish it would, though? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, every day. (laughs) But it does in ourselves. Yes. It becomes apparent if you're riveted to one thing, looking and exploring at truth. And asking the questions. Mm Mm-hmm. Questions are divine. You're not insulting the divine. You're complimenting the divine. You're saying, I want to discover all there is to know at this time. Yeah. Yes. Whether it's about myself or anything else, you know. Ah, it's very inspiring. Truly. Oh, Smishy. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to indulge in this subject. Smishy, thank you. I learn every time we have a conversation, whether it's on the podcast or just on the phone (laughs) or on the corner, wherever we are, we end up dipping into some little portal where we have new questions to ask. It's so true. And I really hope that um, our listeners are asking themselves these questions too. You know, I think it would be really exciting if people ever shared or wrote, you know, to us things that come up for them as well. And we could explore something from our own angle and theirs as well. So yeah, it would be exciting. I know. Dreamy. So dreamy, Smishy. Thank you for, we'll have a smoosh-a-thon. <sighs> Smishy, thank you. Till next time. And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.